Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Alex and Josh do Tinseltown. It's kind of a low energy episode this time, not just because once again my co-host is away and I'm rolling solo deep, but because this week I feel like we need to flip the script. We need to rejig this project a little. Um, we started this, I started this, I got involved because uh, movie podcasts are shit in general. Uh, you basically get two different types. There's the ones where it's like comedians from LA who just like nitpick movies. You know, you know, they laugh at like a Fast and Furious 9, something like that. Um, and then you know, saying things... You know, the one which comes to mind is people always laugh at Avatar, you know. Can you believe it? They called it Unobtainium, things like that, you know. Uh, they like to laugh at Van Damme, the classics like that. But then there's the other side, which are the ones where it's like... I guess it's also mostly comedians who are funny. Uh, guys who are like in the late 30s, early 40s, I think, who only seem to watch children's movies. Uh, guys who are really into Avengers, Star Wars, for some reason, they don't have a particular fondness for, say, Pirates of the Caribbean or something along those lines. The, the big blockbusters are old. But they love this new stuff. And a lot of it comes down to, you know, could you believe it? They cast a famous actor as my favorite character when I was bullied as a child, things like that. Did you notice they name dropped, you know, Commander Keen or something in the back of one of these scenes? It's, 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 you know, it, it's in both cases, I think it's people who don't like movies, who know they can make a career from not liking movies. So even though this is obviously not my career, not my job, I make nothing from this. I did want to make a podcast that was positive. People who like movies, myself and my co-host Alex, we like movies. We want to like movies, should I say? But man, you know, you watch a film like The Tomorrow War and it makes me realize that we've been doing this project for about 10 weeks, I think, a little longer, perhaps. And I say that because I can only think of two films I actually enjoyed from this whole endeavor. And that's not, you know, it's not being intentionally negative. It's not being someone who's looking for things to complain about. But the output is just terrible, just absolutely appalling. You know, these are the biggest movies that we're trying to cover. And they are just fundamentally some of the worst movies ever made. And that includes The Tomorrow War, which cost 200 million US dollars, if you can believe it. And, you know, that money, if you would have flushed it down the toilet note by note and filmed someone doing it and broadcast it in the Guggenheim or something, it would have been significantly more interesting, probably significantly better made. Um, would have been a lot less insulting to any potential audience. Uh, a lot of this comes down to the Chris's, basically. Um, behind the camera, you have Chris McKay, a guy I've never heard of before. 
uh, but he's done a lot of animation. And he tends to shoot his $200 million sci-fi epic like it's an episode of The Office, perhaps. Which, you know, we'll talk about the star, quote-unquote, later. Um, because he's very into just shooting everyone, you know, shoulders up, mid-shots, close-ups all the time. This is very much in the Marvel vein of it's designed to be watched on a phone, at the very least. So if someone's watching on a plane, three or four seats ahead of you on an iPhone, you can see that's a Chris Pratt movie. Um, but then it's also meant to be this big action blockbuster. And I think that's really clear. I mean, it's obvious, been obvious for a really long time that when they, they Hollywood, make these movies, you have a director who does the in-person things, and then they pass it off to the VFX studios to finish the action scenes. It's a little like when you watch... Uh, an American cartoon, where you will notice that towards the end in the credits, everyone's name is Korean because in the studios they have in the US, they do the storyboards, they do the basics, the rough cuts, and then they send it off to Korea where they animate it properly. And it's very clear that in, say, you know, you know here's a quite a good example. Uh, I'm sure you saw Black Panther. We all saw Black Panther. And it was shit, right? Because a thing that's noticeable is they get in Ryan Coogler, who had done Creed. And you think about Creed, which was, you know, a fantastic continuation of the Rocky franchise, but it had this um, pretty unique style for the boxing matches where you had these one long uninterrupted takes. And they really added a lot to the Adonis Creed character, put a new spin on like the boxing as seen in this franchise. So then when he goes over to Marvel, and he makes Black Panther. Not only does the film look nothing like Creed, which, fair enough, one is a rags-to-riches-esque um, coming-of-age story with boxes, and the other is a, you know, comic book nonsense. But consider the end of the film where Michael B. Jordan um, fights the Black Panther himself. I forget his name. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, yes, of course. And it looks like an episode of Reboot or a cutscene ripped from fucking Killer Instinct 3 or something. It looks so bad. You can tell Marvel didn't give a shit. But you can also tell that Ryan Coogler was basically not involved because there's no way you go from what happened with Creed to this. There's no way, unless, of course, Kevin Feige says no, but we'll save that discussion for a different time if that's even a discussion at all. So... You get this feeling with a film like Black Panther that you have your director doing basically the meat and potatoes, get this guy's name on the credits and don't get into trouble with the lawyers. But then the rest of it is someone else's vision. And then you look at a film like The Tomorrow War and you have the scenes with real human beings, if you want to call Chris Pratt one of those, and they're filmed in this very TV style with just the worst soy banter some of the most appalling dialogue you've ever heard the you know i've i've this is my bugbear i guess with modern cinema a lot on this show it's just not funny and it's the same type of humor in every movie and it feels like it comes from a place at least with this more than anything else that they know you know this is shit so they think they can get away with making a shit movie if they act like they put no effort into it themselves, you know? 
Um, so yeah, you have those scenes with the human beings, and then you have the stuff with the CGI, and it's so, so different. It's all these swooping camera movements, it's all these high-angle shots. It's very strange almost how when the Tomorrow War begins and everyone gets sucked into it, it looks a lot like uh, the beginning of a game of like Fortnite or PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds where you have all these characters dropping in from the sky. And in that first scene where they fall into the swimming pool, like there's, it's a, it's a little bit gnarly at the at the seams, you know, people you've never seen before, extras, CGI extras, fall into their doom, and then you go back to the stuff with Chris Pratt, and it's it may as well be a totally different movie that been that's been sandwiched in. It's a really strange experience, but it's obvious that the two hundred million. Of the, of the which, you know, not spent on the actors, was very clearly spent on the effects. And then that's kind of where it ends. The dialogue I've mentioned being appalling, but the other stuff in the film, you know, the just the whole concept of it makes very little sense. Um, and it's also wrapped up in these weird scenarios where... They set things up so blatantly in the worst possible way. Like the annoying kid who was really into volcanoes. It's a scene which is not funny to begin with, but it's so... I don't know how to describe it. Not, it isn't necessarily that the nature of the volcano stands out, but it's something that's very intentionally there for you to remember later on. Kind of like when you meet J.K. Simmons. And... No particular reason why you just get this line on having a plane that he fixes for someone else. It's all like, you know, if you've ever read one of those screenwriting 101 books where they talk about having like Chekhov's guns laid into the first act and things of that nature, it's that to the most fundamentally stupid level. And then when the plot continues and you have, you know, the daughter, spoilers. Um, played by Yvonne Strahovski. The connection between those two characters, her and Chris Pratt, just does not work because not only is everything says a joke up to that point, but then they're talking about all this stuff to do with... You know, it's pop science stuff that just does not relate to anything before or after because it's like... You know, you've seen Reddit, the way Reddit loves science... It's like they stick this stuff into a film and then there's no real payoff. It's like, you know, in Independence Day, people laugh about the virus, but the virus that's uploaded into the computer does have a massive payoff. All this stuff about the aliens and where they come from, whatever, it ultimately doesn't matter because the rest of the film is so hollow. And a big part of that is Chris Pratt himself because he is, you know, he is the hero of our time, the star of our time, in the sense that he is a fake actor in fake movies that come and go. You know, you consider what he has done as an actor, and the Guardians films are repulsive. However, the thing that's remembered from those isn't the film itself, it's just, do you remember Groot's catchphrase? Do you remember this old music? The actual nature of the films is irrelevant. It's it's completely gone. And that's because he's a guy who is, 
you know, he's a comedian, and I guess he's funny, you know, if you're into that sort of shit, but he can't carry a film like this. He is basically pretending to be Harrison Ford and everything he's in. And that's kind of a shame because it makes you think what would Harrison Ford actually be doing in a movie like this? And even at 79 years of age, he'd be, you know, more convincing. The only actual actor in this is J.K. Simmons, who I like to think is not going down the dark path of just playing himself. You know, this has happened with, you know, ruined Nicolas Cage. Um, it ruined Christopher Walken. He himself admits that after a while. It's it ruined quite a few of these particular actors, but he just turned up and was just his gruff-ish self that we've seen in a lot of things. And when you see like a good actor like that, completely wasted in something like this, it's it, it's a crying shame. However, the larger crying shame is that this film is basically already forgotten. It's come... Yeah, Amazon will tell you it did well, because they kind of have to, and no one can prove otherwise. Like when Netflix say 200 million people watched something with Adam Sandler in, you know. Um, it's a sequel, greenlit, apparently. But these films are just meaningless. These films are absolutely nothing. They just don't matter. Like, they aren't a bad film. They just don't They just don't matter. And you, you think to yourself, at least I think to myself, I spent a long time... You know, I used to read the AV Club. I used to read things like that. And you'd see people talking shit about, say, Michael Bay, Roland Emmerich... James Cameron, Wolfgang Peterson, these guys who make these big spectacle movies. And the thing that's very clear is none of them would stoop to this level. You know, none of them could make something this shit if they tried. And I just don't know where we are as a film culture where, like, this is acceptable. How did we get to this point where this is acceptable? How low are the standards that this is acceptable? And having disliked everything up to this point basically that we've done this podcast i really think we need to retool restructure do something because i can't watch this again i can't watch more like this i know we were meant to space jam 2 next but come on come on you know i hate to be resoundingly negative about a film like this but like i say i can't be negative about it i have to be more negative about how we got here how we as a society allowed this to happen to what was once a major art form. You know, I was watching the boxing this weekend and I saw the Jamal Jamal Charlo fight, which ended in a draw against Castillo, uh, Brian Castaño. And it made me think how boxing used to be the biggest thing in the world. You used to open your newspaper, you used to turn on your news, and it was the results of Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis... Real Deal, Holyfield, things like that. They used to be not just big, not just popular, but important to people. People wanted to know, people wanted to watch, people were inspired by what these guys were doing in the ring, what these guys represented. And now you've got a million different champions, unification bouts playing out on TV, not pay-per-view, you get a nonsense result and nobody's surprised because they just expect the lowest of the low from boxing these days. And I suspect cinema is on that way. Everyone expects these films to be shit. And I think that's part of the appeal, you know, to roll back to what I was saying about the original podcasts. You have these things. I believe one is just called We Hate Movies. There's people who fucking hate movies. And if the way they look at it is if a movie is earnest, 
if it isn't letting you know it's shit, letting you know it's clever, letting you know it's winking, then it's not worth it. And by removing this sincerity, we've lost a lot. I know, I know I'm going a bit uh, left field here, but I don't know how you can make $200 million of something that has no sincerity, has no heart, has no real reason to exist, besides to laugh at itself. Yeah, I believe it was Brett Easton Ellis who said that you know, there's going to come a period of time where the concept of being a cinephile, being someone who's interested in cinema, is a niche. It's a niche hobby. This happens to all our forms. You consider, I think I've talked about this before, you consider that opera, you know, people used to travel all the way around the world to Italy to watch it. Now it's just a curio for rich people. Um, we all know famous painters, Vincent van Gogh, Edward Hopper, people like that. J.M.W. Turner used to, if the movie is correct, which is what I'm talking about here i'm not that big a fan of his but i mean his work yes but i don't know his life you know you'd have these guys hanging their work up in a gallery and people would come from miles around to buy this one painting you know i believe it's hieronymus bosch who he would paint these massive tableau of just complete chaos and people would come and just stare at it for hours and you know burst into tears and have these visions and life-changing experiences and now can you name a painter can you name anyone who gives a shit about painting can you name a piece of artwork that's made anyone think anyone cry and believe in christ you know can you do this you probably can't i mean you can look at a look at a fucking jeff coons and believe in hell because that's where we live but you know you can't name a popular painter who has any kind of meaning and we're on the verge of that with cinema you know you think of the top guys at the moment they're all fucking approaching 100 years old clint eastwood's in his 90s uh martin scorsese's got to be getting up there steven spielberg too you know and all of these guys they live in a completely rarefied bubble where they can kind of do what they want because they've already cracked the code. They were already big before cinema crumbled in on itself. But you don't get anyone new coming through. Um, and that's a real scary thought. You know, who's the new auteur people are interested in? Who's who's the new actor people really like? Who who do they admire these days, you know? Do people... People used to smoke like Humphrey Bogart. People started boxing because they saw Sylvester Stallone. What do people do when they see fucking Chris Pratt? What do people... Do they just get on steroids? Like, what do they do? Yeah, this this film made me miserable. Really fucking miserable. You can tell. And we need to do something about this podcast because I cannot willingly put myself through this for too much longer. Um, it's more fun when my co-host Alex is here. She keeps me more upbeat. As it stands, you know, I'm balancing on a noose. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm fine. But, you know, it's it's it's... It's just grim. It's just grim that this stuff exists, you know? Never used to be like this. People will tell you it used to be like this. It never used to be like this. And speaking of never like this, we'll see what happens next week on the podcast because trust me, we aren't doing this ever again.